Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, November 27th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. I hope everybody enjoyed Thanksgiving with her family and were able to eat some amazing food and watch some great football games that were going on. But there was also a lot of basketball and no baseball news. So we're going to skip that for this week and move straight into the NBA. So some headlines as we started the week with a huge upset of number one in the East, the Celtics, they lost to the four and nine Hornets in overtime. This was just the Celtics third loss so far for this entire season. Similarly, the 76ers were behind and mounted an almost successful comeback on the Cavaliers. They were down nine going into the fourth quarter and managed to tie to force overtime, but they fell three points short of the W and get upset by the Cleveland team. Speaking of the Cleveland team, or at least somebody who used to be part of the Cleveland team, LeBron scored his 39th thousandth point during Tuesday's game against the Jazz. This also helped the Lakers sweep their group play in the in-season tournament. Speaking of that, the Pacers outlasted the Hawks in a game where 309 points were scored between the two teams. The Pacers win and secure their spot in the quarterfinals in the in-season tournament. They won that game 157 to 152. Don't feel too bad for the Hawks, though, as they put up 45 points in the first quarter alone, and Trey Young was responsible for 43 points all game in their game on Wednesday versus the Nets. They won that game in overtime. Tempers ran high during the Clippers-Spurs game in San Antonio, so much so that Popovich, the president of the Spurs, grabbed the mic in the middle of the game to tell the San Antonio crowd to stop booing Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers still won despite the boos. 
109 to 102. The Spurs did suffer their 12th straight loss on Sunday as well. In direct contrast to that, the Suns have now won seven in a row after beating the Knicks in a close one at MSG. And they may not be winning the West yet, but they are certainly making a good case for it. The Bucks also overcame the largest deficit seen so far this season. They were down 26 points in the third quarter against the Trailblazers. The Milwaukee team outscored Portland 58-21 in the second half of that game. Giannis put up the go-ahead point on the board just 18 seconds remaining in the entire game. Also, I know you've heard me mention it a couple of times, but the in-season tournament group play has concluded. Quarterfinals will take place on Monday. You'll hear a little bit more about that in What to Watch this next week. Moving along to NCAA men's college basketball. We started the week with some great games. Number five, UConn scored 46 in the first half to win by 10 over number 15, UT. Not a loss, but this next one was really damn close. St. Joseph's played their first game of the entire season, taking on number 16, Kentucky, and taking them into overtime. The Wildcats did still win, but it was way closer than it should have been. And then wrapping up a busy Monday, we'll get to some of the other things that happened in the week as we've got some tournaments. But wrapping up a busy Monday, number 24, UVA got their butts kicked by Wisconsin, losing by 24. And then moving back onto Maine stateside, which we'll get to the Maui Invitational in a second, number 18, Colorado scored 30 points each half, but still went into overtime with Florida State, who got the better of them, winning 77 to 71. Number 20, Arkansas beat Stanford in double overtime after the Cardinal missed two different chances to tie the game in the bad boy Mowers battle for Atlantis. Yes, that is the entire name of the event that was going on. That is one of those like in-season tournaments that I was talking about. So in that series, another huge one, number 14, UNC and Villanova went to overtime after a very obviously even game. The Wildcats got the better of Jordan's old team, but barely only winning by two. Speaking of another Wildcats, number three, Arizona remains undefeated, beating number 21, Michigan State, who has now lost three this season already. Doubt they will be ranked in next week's rankings. Colorado State also remains undefeated after beating number eight, Creighton handily, 69 to 48. Number 20, Arkansas may have escaped earlier against Stanford, but they couldn't manage it against Memphis, who beat them by five on Thanksgiving. They would also lose to number 17, UNC, the next day as well. Number 12, Texas A&M was on a hot streak before losing to number 19, FAU, in the ESPN Events Invitational. Ohio State may have gotten upset on the football field this weekend. More on that in a minute. But they upset number 18, Alabama, on the court. They won by 11 in the Emerald Coast Classic. And Oklahoma got to take out some Lincoln-Riley frustrations on number 23, USC, winning at the buzzer in the final minute of the game. In the final seconds, the Sooners remain undefeated. So I told you we did have some of those tournaments. So going to the Maui Invitational, because there was a lot of ranked teams in this one, number two, Purdue, beat number 11, Gonzaga, in the All-State Maui Invitational to begin it by 10. Their second half, 43 points, put the dagger in after Gonzaga was winning 
at the half. They would go on to also beat number seven, Tennessee, and number four, Marquette, all before the end of the day on Wednesday. So I don't think we have any doubt on why they're ranked number one this next week. Number four, Marquette pulled off a big upset, beating former now number one, Kansas, 73-59. to Number one, Kansas did bounce back after that loss to hand Tennessee, their second loss of the season, also winning by nine. Needless to say, the Purdue Boilermakers came away as the Maui Invitational champs and the new number one. Also, just some regular like kind of college news. Delaware will be joining the Conference USA and leaving the FCS days behind on the football field. They would be eligible for playoffs for basketball this year, but not for football until 2025. They are currently in the FCS playoffs right now for football, playing number two Montana this weekend. Speaking of football, we are going to move on to NCAA football, and this week was rivalry week, the final week of the regular season and week 13 of this season. So it is sad as we bring it to an end, but rivalry week brought us some amazing games, and we've got to start with the game. Number two, the Ohio State versus number three, Michigan, and it certainly lived up to the hype. It was a great defensive game to start, but there were questions about the quality of both quarterbacks coming into the game. Number, Like I said, number three, Michigan scored first, and that set the tone. They would never trail in this game. We were briefly tied in the third quarter, but Michigan scored on every possession they had in the second half. Buckeyes quarterback McCord struggled, only completing about 60% of his passes and throwing two interceptions. Ohio State had also not allowed a touchdown over 20 yards all year, but they gave up two in this game to Michigan. So Harbaugh or not, as he was not on the sidelines with the Wolverines, they do punch their ticket to the Big Ten championship game and likely the college football playoff with this big win over Ohio State 30-24. to Number 10, Louisville took on their SEC rivals, Kentucky. We were tied actually at four different points in this game, but good thing the Cardinals already had their ACC championship game ticket punched because Louisville was leading 24-21 into the fourth quarter, but Kentucky came roaring back, scoring 17 points in the fourth to win by a touchdown. That is the Cardinals' only second loss so far this season. This weekend was also one of the final civil wars, at least for a while. That is the game between number six, Oregon, and number 16, Oregon State. It was especially special for quarterback for Oregon State, DJU, who is, and his younger brother actually got to play on Oregon's defense. So they actually got to play on the field at the same time. Kind of cool there. Literally, um, Oregon's head coach, Dan Lanning, was like, go hit your brothers. So kind of a cool moment there for the U family. And Oregon made a statement for their quarterback to be up for the Heisman, beating the Beavs 31-7. to And this sets up the Oregon versus Washington rematch in the final Pac-12 title game. And the only other loss of the week was number 21, K-State, was leading Iowa State at half in the snow. But then the Cyclones turned it on, putting up two scores every quarter to win 42-35. to Quite impressive considering K-State had the ball for 42 minutes of the 60-minute game. That is 42 points for Iowa State in under 18 minutes of game time. Quite impressive. 
Other major storylines, like I said, there were a lot of close games and literally all the top teams did not escape except for a probably number seven Texas, but every other team played a closer game than it should have been starting with number one. Georgia looked not great against their in-state rivals this week. They only beat Georgia Tech by eight, winning 31 to 23. However, if you watch that game, it was clear they basically weren't trying. It was actually pretty funny. Also, the Apple Cup was crazy. Number four, Washington could not build a lead against Wazoo to save their lives. They finally managed it in the third quarter, but the Cougars came back in the fourth to tie it up. Literally, quarterback Penix could not watch as the Huskies tried their 42-yard game-winning field goal. It was successful, and the Huskies escape to keep their playoff hopes alive. Also, a really cool moment was after the game, Kaylin DeBoer gave out a scholarship to the kicker for winning that game. Kind of cool there, too. Number five, Florida State was without their Heisman candidate quarterback in the swamp against Florida, but it didn't matter. Although Florida made some really dumb decisions in the fourth quarter, they literally only got two positive yards on two different plays. There was a yard and a yard. Everything else in the fourth quarter was negative or it didn't go anywhere. Florida State won that game 24 to 15. And in my opinion, Florida State wins and they're in. I said there were a lot of like close games. These were not the close games. Number seven, Texas destroyed Texas Tech on Friday night, 57 to seven. Their kicker, Auburn, ex- yes, like the school, extended this, um, extended the field goal streak to 19 field goals made in a row. Quite impressive there. Also, number nine, Mizzou put up 41 straight points on the Razorbacks to win, to beat Arkansas 48 to 14. Unlike that, though, there were two games I want to go into pretty big detail, and this is one of them. The Iron Bowl is always interesting, even with Auburn losing to New Mexico State last week. Number eight, Alabama, was losing going into the fourth quarter, and that was after Auburn had two turnovers, including a muffed punt. The muffed punt was in the final four minutes of the game, so Bama had actually been stopped. They punt the ball and Auburn muffs the punt. So then Alabama gets the ball back on the correct side of the field, looking like they're going to go score a touchdown and win. Bama was down to fourth down and went for it and got it. Then we get another like series where Auburn's defense played out of their freaking minds. And we are down to fourth and goal from the 31 yard line after penalties and a loss of yardage. 43 seconds left, down by four. So Alabama has to have this or they're going to lose. This is about the point where I actually thought Alabama was going to lose. And so did the win percentage, like chart, by the way. It was 99.9% Auburn. Alabama, though, is Alabama for a reason. Quarterback Milrow throws an amazingly beautiful ball. He had all day. His O-line looked great. He threw it into the end zone where wide receiver Isaiah Bond was waiting and open. Alabama scores a touchdown and escapes wins by three. Absolutely nuts, y'all. It was so crazy. Texas A&M came out hot despite being on their third string quarterback. They scored 17 points in the second quarter alone, and they were leading number 14 LSU at half. But after that, it was all Jaden Daniels. After that, LSU scored 21 points in the fourth to win 42-30. 
Number 17, Iowa wins over Nebraska 13 to 10, hitting the under despite it only being set at 25.5. Even I didn't take that bet. That also means that Nebraska will miss a bowl game again this year. This is now the longest streak of missing a bowl game against Power Five in a Power 5 school, which was 2016, the last time Nebraska went to a bowl game. Kind of speaking of a weird defensive game, number 24 Clemson did not score an offensive touchdown, but it didn't matter as the Tigers beat South Carolina 16 to 7. And then number 13, Oklahoma scored 28 points in a single quarter over TCU. It was 42-16 at half, but the Sooners let the Horn Frogs back in a little bit in the third quarter. I really hope you bet the over in this one, which was only set at 66.5 points. The Sooners hit that by themselves, winning 69 to, 50, to 45. And then I told you I had one more crazy game I wanted to go through. This was one of the craziest games I may have seen all year. Number 20, Oklahoma State needed this win to make the Big 12 championship game. The only thing standing in their way was BYU and their backup quarterback. But man, the Cougs came out to play. BYU was up 24-6 to at half, but OSU has been a tale of two teams all year, and this game was no different. The first half was played by the team that got trounced by UCF, and the second half was played by the team that beat Oklahoma and K-State. OSU came all the way back, taking the lead with 53 seconds left. That was a touchdown, but they missed the point after, so they were only up by three. BYU's quarterback then went four of four and four, so four completions and four incompletions, but got them down to the 31-yard line for a perfect 48-yard field goal. Then we go to overtime. Both teams score a touchdown in overtime, and we go to second overtime. OSU then scores their touchdown and is unsuccessful on their two-point conversion, so the door is open for BYU. BYU then turned it over, trying to get into the end zone, and that's the game. So the Big 12 championship game will be OSU versus Texas. Also, newly ranked number 22, NC State loved this one. They beat up on their in-state rivals, UNC, winning 39-20. to It was 26-7 at half, so an easy W for the Wolfpack. Oh, my gosh. Okay, y'all, it has absolutely been crazy with the coaching carousel. We are fully on that ride, so just get ready. As Again, this was the last week of the regular season, so now we are starting to hear those rumors, transfer portals, all of that will start to come out, and so I will keep you guys up to date. But we've got a couple headlines I want to go through. Duke head coach Mike Elko has officially accepted the head coaching job at Texas A&M. He was defensive coordinator for the Aggies before he was scooped up by Duke about two years ago. Since he got to Durham, Duke has made a bowl game both years. The first year he took the team that was 3-9 and nine the prior season, bringing them to 9-3 and three the next this year, Duke was 4-0 before losing to Notre Dame and losing their starting quarterback. They still end the season 7-5. Elko has a six-year contract for $7 million salary with a lot of performance incentives. So the exact opposite of what the Aggies did last time. This was a little bit of a whirlwind as there were really strong rumors. I think it was Friday night, Saturday night, that um, Kentucky's Mark Stoops was actually like rumored to take the job he actually came out and said he is staying in Kentucky so wasn't clear what job he was talking about he did not mention Texas A&M specifically but 
He said he's not going anywhere, and it seems like that was directed at Texas A&M. This also now opens the Duke head coaching job. Also earlier this week, Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith is making the trip to Lansing as he has accepted the head coaching job at at Michigan State. I already am skipping to the next one. Smith actually went to Oregon State as a player and was 34-35 in his six seasons as head coach. But since 2022, he has been 18-7. and So really turned that program around once he really got cooking. Like I said, Freudian slip on the last one. Oklahoma offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby is now the Mississippi State head coach. Before OU, Lebby was also OC at Ole Miss and UCF. And before that, Baylor under Bryles, not the best thing to be known for. He is all he is known for high-powered, high-tempo offense. So really trying to get back to that former Mike Leach kind of way of thinking for the Bulldogs. And that's kind of why they went that direction. Other coaching changes is Houston has fired their head coach, Dana Holgerson. He spent five years with the Cougs after West Virginia. Overall record at U of H was 31 to 28. Indiana also fired their head coach, Tom Allen, whose record was 33 to 49. SMU also extended the contract with their head coach, Rhett Lashley, ahead of their move to the ACC. This is important as SMU snuck into the AP poll this week at number 25. So Lashley would have undoubtedly been considered for head coaching jobs. Nice to know he is staying in Dallas for the time being. Moving along to the NFL, finishing up last week to start, the Super Bowl rematch was awesome. The Chiefs looked to have it in hand, leading 17-7 to at half. I stopped watching, and I had Jalen Hurts as my quarterback. So I was surprised the next morning when I woke up to see that the Eagles had won. The Chiefs actually didn't even score in the second half, and Jalen led his team to rally, scoring 17 point, 14 points to win by three. This week in the NFL, we had three games on Thanksgiving and one on Friday on Prime. I'm sure they just wanted their spot back. Seven of those games were close. Starting with the Thanksgiving games, the Lions always play, and so do the Cowboys. So the Packers put up 20 points in the first quarter alone, and that carried them to a big upset of the Lions, 29-20. to the Cowboys would not face that same fate as it was and it was a lot less entertaining game. The Dallas team destroyed the Commanders 45 to 10 with all of Washington's points coming in the second quarter. Da- Dallas added insult to injury as they were leading 25 to 10 going into the fourth and they tacked on another 25 unanswered points. This is the Cowboys 13th straight win at home so seems to be doing well in Arlington. Then the 49ers had a great first half, leading 24-3. to They are now leading the NFC West for the season. Niners win 31-13. Friday night's game on Prime. Like I said, I'm sure they weren't happy about getting their Thursday night slot taken as it's on Thanksgiving. But the Dolphins faced off with the Jets and got the better of the New York team, winning 34-13. The huge takeaway from this game was that both quarterbacks had two interceptions, and one of those would off a last-second first-half Hail Mary when Javon Hill ran it 99 yards back for a pick six for the Dolphins. You just don't hear of a Hail Mary getting run back every day, so kind of kind of strange there. Let's go through some of the not close games of the week. The Cardinals only put up 14 points the entire game, losing to the Rams 37 to 14. The Chiefs had a nice bounce back win against the Raiders, putting them away 31 to 17. 
The Broncos have now won five games in a row, upsetting the Browns 29-12. to They started, actually, the start of the season 1-5 and five and are now back above 500. Sunday night football was the Ravens beating the Chargers by 10, although that score looked better than it actually was as the Ravens had their last touchdown in the final two minutes of the game. And then moving on to actual close games, the Titans put up all 17 points in the first half, and that was enough to beat the Panthers by a touchdown. The Panthers have also now fired their head coach. The Bucks and the Colts game was back and forth, but the Colts got a costly fumble in the final two minutes of the game to seal the win by a touchdown. The Giants escaped after the Patriots missed a game-tying 33-yard field goal. That's embarrassing. That game was so low-scoring with New York winning 10-7. 14 drives actually ended in a punt. Sticking with missed field goals, the Texans put up seven in three quarters, but that was not enough against the seven and three Jags. They missed a game tying 58 yard field goal after it doinked off the bottom crossbar to lose 24 21. But no game was as close or as good as the Phillies Bills game. The Bills went up big in the first half, leading 17 to 7. It looked like the Buffalo team had the game in hand and would hand the Eagles their second loss of the season, being up 24-14 going into the fourth quarter. But the Philly team went 3-for-3 on their next drives to touchdowns, putting up 17 points to tie and go into overtime. The Bills got a field goal, but the Eagles did one better and got a touchdown on a quarterback run by Jalen Hurts to win. A little bit of motorsport news as it was the finale of both Formula One and MotoGP. And no shocker here, Max Verstappen won the final F1 race of the year this weekend in Abu Dhabi for Formula One. That put his total for the season at 19 victories out of 23 races. Also, because of that and his success of his teammate, Red Bull secured the Constructors' Championship way back in in September. In the MotoGP world, it was also the final race of the season in Valencia, although Jorge Martin made it a very interesting championship race, especially after winning the sprint on Saturday. He got antsy in the main race and crashed out, making his way back up to the front. That secured that Francisco Benyaya or Pecco, would defend his world title. And tiny, tiny bit of Olympic news. Oscar Pistorius, who, if you guys remember from the Olympics, the double amputee, but he competed in the um, regular Olympics. He has been granted parole after just 10 years in prison after killing his girlfriend through a bathroom door in his own home. He was convicted of murder, but only sentenced to 13 and a half years in prison. He will be paroled for five years after serving just 10. And then Michaela Schifrin extended her record of 90 World Cup titles after winning the slalom on Sunday. She was fastest in both runs, beating Volova by 0.33 seconds. Schifrin finished third in the giant slalom on Saturday. Swiss Switzerland's Laura Gutbarami is currently two for two on GS World Cup titles. And then the United States is up for another World Cup, potentially in two years, this time for the women's, in a joint bid with Mexico, up for 2027. The U.S.-Mexico bid is one of only three remaining. The other two options, Brazil in a solo bid or Belgium-Germany combined. 
that is what happened over the last week, Thanksgiving week. Let's go over what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Not a ton of NBA games being televised as they will actually have a little bit of a break before the quarterfinals on Monday. So starting Tuesday, the Bucks at the Heat will be at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Warriors at the Kings at 9. And then Friday, the 76ers at the Celtics at 6.30 p.m. on ESPN, followed by the Nuggets at the Suns at 9. Sunday, there are actually no games at all getting ready for those quarterfinals next Monday. In the NCAA men's, we have the ACC-SEC Championship Challenge, and so it is a face-off of those two conferences. That brings us a couple ranked versus ranked games. Starting Tuesday, number 8 Miami at number 12 Kentucky. That will be at 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. Following that, on Wednesday, number 10 Tennessee will play number 17 UNC at 6.15 also on ESPN. Then we don't have another ACC-SEC matchup, but we do have Big East versus the Big 12 battle. And on Friday, number four, UConn takes on number five, Kansas. They will play at 8 p.m. on ESPN2. All other games, of course, are listed on the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, but those are the only ranked versus ranked matchups on the men's side. On the women's side, though, we have a lot actually going on this week, both in the ACC versus SEC Challenge as well as Jimmy V's Women's Classic. Wednesday, ACC SEC Challenge, number 18 Notre Dame takes on 20 Tennessee at 4 p.m. on ESPN2, followed by 22 Louisville taking on 19 Ole Miss at 8.15 on ESPNU. Thursday, number one, South Carolina takes on 24 UNC at 6 on ESPN, and number nine, VTech goes to number seven LSU at eight also on ESPN Sunday the Jimmy V women's classic rounds it out with number 11 UConn at number 10 Texas they will play at two on ABC and then number 16 Ohio State plays number 20 Tennessee they have a tough week they will play at four on ESPN then on the college football world, it is conference championship week. So I'm only going to go over the power five championships going on, but I have all, again, all of them are listed on the blog, the girlfriend's guide to sports starting as we always do on pac 12 Friday night, number five, Oregon at number three, Washington. They will actually play in Las Vegas, but they will be at 7 PM on ABC. Oregon is favored by nine and a half against undefeated Washington. The Big 12 will play at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Again, it's number 19, Oklahoma State, versus number 7, Texas. They will play in Arlington. Texas is favored by 14 and a half. The SEC will face off number 1, Georgia, undefeated, versus number 8, Alabama. They will play Saturday at 3 on CBS. They will play in Atlanta, and Georgia is favored by 6. The Big 10 is Number two, Michigan at number 18, Iowa. They're actually playing in Indianapolis. They will play at 7 o'clock on Fox. Michigan is favored by 23 points. And finally, wrapping up the Power Five, the ACC championship will be the final. And that will be number 15, Louisville versus number four, Florida State, also at 7 o'clock on ABC. Better flip back and forth of that. They will play at the B of A Stadium in North Carolina in Charlotte. And Florida State is favored by two and a half. 
We do have the college football playoff ranking show on Tuesday. That will be at 6 p.m. on ESPN. And then the final college football playoff ranking slash selection selection show will be on Sunday. This will determine who will be in for the final four and the playoff spots. That will be at 11 a.m. on Sunday on ESPN. For Monday Night Football tonight, the Bears take on the Vikings at 7.15 on ABC and ESPN. Thursday Night Football this week in the final day of November, the Seahawks at the Cowboys play at 7.15 on Prime. Sunday, we have seven games at noon on CBS or Fox. CBS games are the Colts at the Titans, the Chargers at the Patriots, the Cardinals at the Steelers, and the Broncos at the Texans. Fox will be the Lions at the Saints, the Falcons at the Jets, and the Dolphins at the Commanders. At 3.05 on CBS, you can watch the Panthers take on the Bucks, Or at 3.25 on Fox, you can catch either the Browns at the Rams or the 49ers at the Eagles. Sunday Night Football will be the Chiefs at the Packers at 7.20 on NBC. Next Monday Night Football will be the Bengals at the Jags at 7.15 on ABC or ESPN. We also have the return of the PGA Tour this week. The Hero Challenge round one will begin at 1230 on Thursday on Golf Channel. Round two will be on Friday. Saturday, you can catch round three at 11 a.m. on Golf Channel, and then it moves over to NBC at 1.30. Same general schedule on Sunday. The final round of the Hero Challenge will be at 10 a.m. on Golf Channel, and then move over to 1230 at on NBC little bit of hockey this week. Only one game on regular schedule programming. The Red Wings at the Rangers. They will play on Wednesday at 6.30 on TNT. Other games are on Hulu. That wraps it up for me this week. It is incredibly sad that we are almost done with college football season. After this week, conference championship week, it will be bowl season. So I will have a huge show over that and how to kind of watch those and what that looks like moving forward. But lots of stuff going on as per usual. Check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more. And I'll catch you all next week.